The show you love with even more local, local news, news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to a beautiful Monday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation as we kick off a brand new week and a brand new month of May. Can you believe we're in May? I don't know, in many ways I'm still stuck back in August, but uh, it is May and we're moving ahead. So the coffee is hot and so is the so are the topics here, so let, let's get down to it. Uh, the, <laughs> this just came on my radar screen. This is interesting. If you remember, a couple days ago, end of last week, Governor Newsom told the LA Times that he's reconsidering shutting down the Diablo Canyon, last nuclear power plant in California, He was going to shut it down in 2025. Apparently, he's reconsidering that. I wonder what went into that decision-making. Well, according to the LA Times, perhaps uh, that's because the California ISO has issued a statement saying that energy agencies have concluded that the grid is short approximately 1,500 to 2,000 milliwatts between now and 2026 using the projections they normally use. And they say the state usually has a, a risk target of one outage every 10 years. They say the past two summers have demonstrated that additional resources are needed to account for extreme conditions and supply delays, which are not adequately captured in the traditional planning metrics. A lot of verbiage there. (laughs) Basically, what it means is those that know are telling the governor and us might want to think twice about closing down that nuclear power plant at Diablo Canyon because we may not have enough energy. We may not have enough electricity to operate the state through 2026. So that's interesting. We'll see how uh, we'll see how that develops. And uh, I, <laughs> I just uh, well, it, it falls, I guess, into the general malaise that's also in Washington D.C., where we and 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 Sacramento as well. One of one of Newsom's major. Uh, plans is to do away with fossil fuels. And we have talked time and time again, time again, how many products, over 6,000 products, are, are the, their essence depends upon fossil fuels. And so as we look to the future, it seems like we're cutting off our nose despite our faces. So maybe Governor Newsom is is acknowledging that perhaps doing away with all nuclear power, doing away with all fossil fuels and such, there may be a price to pay for that. All, all decisions, all choices have consequences. And so perhaps they're uh, getting to the point where they're looking at the potential consequences of their choices. 
Well, speaking of consequences to choices, we have some choices coming up on June 7, not too far away. You may have received already your sample ballot for the primaries on uh, on June 7. Wanted to go over, and, and I, I'm sure that most of you are familiar with this, but I, I just want to go over it to make sure that we're all up to date. The primary elections in California aren't like they used to be. The top two candidates open primary act took effect on January 1st in 2011. And it created what are known as voter nominated offices. These are state constitutional offices, state legislative offices and U S congressional offices. The only partisan offices in California voting anymore are the offices of United States president and the county central committee. So these primary elections, like the ones that are coming up here on June 7, all candidates are listed on one ballot. Doesn't matter what their party affiliation is. And only the two top vote getters in the primary election and it doesn't matter what, what party preference they have. Only the two top vote-getters move on to the general election. And if write-in candidates come in second, well, they, they can run in the, in the general. But they can't be write-ins for the general election. They have to be qualified here in the primary. So it used to be... that the top vote-getters in each political party, as well as any write-in candidates, move to the general election. Not so anymore here in California. If you notice on your sample ballot, you see all of the candidates, regardless of their party affiliation. So the top two candidates, doesn't matter. It it could be, and and it it is not a 50-plus-1 issue the top two vote getters and and let's say that one vote getter one one candidate for governor gets 90 percent of the votes and another one gets 10 percent let's say that the party from the planet zarkon gets 90 percent of the vote and the party from the planet formerly known as Pluto only gets 10%, Zarkon and Pluto still go to the general. It doesn't matter that it was 90% to 10%. The top two vote-getters, regardless of party, go on to the general election. And you know when that is, right? November 2022, only a few months away. So this is important. This this election is, uh, is important. So candidates, again, the top two vote-getters will be in the general election in, uh, in November. All right? So it's not like it, uh, not like it used to be, and it, so it's very important, this election, this primary election coming up in, uh, in June, on June 7. So... I thought maybe we'd take a brief look today, and, and, and it won't, we'll just do a brief look at, I think, some interesting aspects 
some interesting facts about the official ballot. And we'll look at some of the top uh, state offices. Uh, Those of you, we cover so many counties here with our signal on the Mike Douglas show that I'm not going to get into specific county races, but I do want to talk about some of the top uh, state races. And it's interesting how uh, the, the numbers. And I'm wondering... And maybe some of you have, have an opinion on this. I wonder what the state GOP committee is doing in terms of a, a really a serious run against Gavin Newsom. It almost, it feels, and this is only a feeling to me, it feels like, oh, we're not going to win anyway. <clears throat> and so the decisions we make are, are going to be routine, but we're, we know we're not going to win anyway. Uh, it just feels that way to me. I don't know about you. It, it just, it just has that feeling to me. And I'll tell you why in a couple of minutes. Uh, and in fact, we'll, we'll, we'll go through some of the numbers here of how many Republicans are running for governor, how many Democrats, how many with no party preference. And I, I think you'll begin to see why I'm suspicious that there's not really a serious run out. I could be wrong, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. What I'm not wrong about, though, when it comes to real estate, is that if we're going to sell our property, we need help. And the guy that I go to for help, his name is Dan Phipps. Good reasons right now to sell your property. Prices are up, inventory's low, and future interest rates, they're uncertain. Maybe you have a growing family or you're working from home and you just need more space. Well, call the agent I trust. His name is Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value or Dan will sell it for free. His home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price and you're in complete control. I love the terms. No long-term contracts, no required costly repairs. You pick your move date, and Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Carrie and Melissa and Merced, they've told us that they needed to sell their property in a hurry, but they needed full value. They heard about Dan Phipps and gave him the job. They say day one, Dan launched into action, and he sold their home in days and got them more than $30,000, more than $30,000 than the same house only a block away. So... Call Dan Phipps. He's the man I recommend I would hire to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. So call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378. That's 209-840-6378. Or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S.com. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes. You're on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to The Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to The Mike Douglas Show here on this Monday, the first Monday in May on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us. And I, I'll, I'll pull the curtain. I'll pull the curtain aside here for a little bit, so you can uh, see in behind it just a little bit. Uh, here at our clandestine Mike Douglas Show studios, we have had a 
mosquito problem. I don't Are you having mosquito problems right now? Uh, we, we have some mosquito problems. And, uh, <clears throat> so I made the, uh, I went out this morning and I, I purchased these little coils that you burn and these coils as they burn, give off a scent, not a pleasant scent, by the way, but the idea is that they're supposed to drive away mosquitoes. So I put it outside our clandestine studios, and despite what I thought were our airtight, uh, hermetically sealed uh, studio portals, why the scent, the strong scent, is wafting into the studio, and it's uh, causing me a little bit of uh, problems here. Anyway, so next time... Tomorrow, I shall not light the little things on fire uh, to burn outside the clandestine studio uh, portals until the show is over. And that will probably uh, help me uh, quite a bit. So there there we go. What Do you have a problem with mosquitoes at our home as well? Major, in fact, last night. You know how in the middle of the night you suddenly hear this, I heard that, and that thing woke me up about 2.45, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I'm my arm was kind of bitten up, and uh, anyway, mosquitoes. And, and we do our best, both at our clandestine studio and at our home, to keep down any standing water. Uh, we don't have any. We've eliminated that, but those the, that larva stays there for a long time. All right, so much for the mosquito update. <laughs> Let's go back and and talk about the sample ballot Uh, coming up. Again, the primary is coming up on June 7th. So I'm looking at the uh, race for governor. And again, on your sample ballot, we now have uh, the two top vote getters. Doesn't matter what party they're in. The two top vote getters move on to the general election in November of 2022. So looking at the gubernatorial race, there are, I'm doing a <clears throat> quick count here. By my count, very quickly, uh, I think 13 Republicans are running for governor, four Democrats, including Gavin Newsom. So the three others, that, that's that's pretty uh, gutsy uh, in the Democratic Party, I think, Uh and uh, seven with no party preference, and a smattering of, of some of the other uh, parties as well. So you have 13 Republicans. Now, the um, the Republican who has been anointed by the California GOP at their recent meeting was Brian Dolly. Uh, he is a state senator at the moment. Do you know a lot about Brian Dolly? By a raise of hands, how many can tell me a lot about Brian Dolly? Yeah, I think probably south of Sacramento, not a lot of people are very familiar with him. And with the general election only, what, six, seven months away, I'm I'm wondering what the strategy is, the long-term strategy. I'm not demeaning him at all. I'm just saying if you're going up against a very charismatic 
uh, and 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 a governor a governor named Gavin Newsom and and a governor that uh, his party is holding a supermajority, and and the Republican Party holds a super minority in uh, in Sacramento. Is is this a serious run at the office with thirteen Republicans? running and only the top two vote getters of all get to move on. So again, uh, 13 Republicans running four Democrats, seven with no party preference to my count and a smattering uh, of others. That's uh, interesting to me. The Lieutenant governor uh, that raised three Republicans, three Democrats, one, no party preference secretary of state, four Republicans, one Democrat uh, one uh, no party preference, and I, I have to. I, I'm going to. I'm just going to be very uh, honest, and uh, that is the incumbent Shirley Weber. I think in general has has done a pretty fair job. I have had to contact the Secretary of State's office uh, regarding administrative issues involving nonprofits that I'm involved in. And uh, I've actually found them to be very responsive. I think their um, their website, uh, the website for the uh, Secretary of State, is very user friendly. I think so. I have to give credit to uh, Shirley Weber, Dr. Shirley Weber, uh, for I think doing a a pretty good uh, pretty good job for a controller. Uh, and this is one of the interesting things. The L.A. Times, believe it or not, is endorsing a Republican, Lonnie Chen, L-A-N-H-E-E, Chen. And uh, he. it's amazing to me that he's getting the nod from the uh, L.A. Times uh, for, uh, for state controller. And then, uh, there, well, there's some other uh, races involved as, as well. Uh, by the way, four controller, two Republicans, three Democrats for treasurer, two Republicans, one Democrat as in ge- an uh, attorney general. Now, this is an important race, two Republicans, one Democrat and one no party preference. Who is Anne-Marie Schubert? Uh, she is the D.A. in Sacramento County. And it's, it'll be very interesting to me to see how that race uh, turns out uh, she commands a lot of respect and uh, I would say is probably in the, I would think, in the power position uh, right now. And let's see, uh, uh, Board of uh, Equalization, uh, there are three Democrats, one Republican. Uh, Ted Gaines is, is running for uh, District 1. And let's see, a couple of, uh, well, U.S. Senator for a full-time position, uh, the full-time U.S. Senate uh, position. There are 10 Republicans running, five Democrats, and four, no party preference. And looking at uh, Alex Padilla's position, the which is a partially filled position, uh, the U.S. Senator position that he occupies, four Republicans running, three Democrats, and one no-party preference. So all to say, it's just very interesting to me to see the numbers. And uh, I'm wondering what the state Republican strategy is. By the way, if you're interested in who the California GOP has endorsed as candidates, uh, they, they have a website. 
where you can find that. It's uh, C-A-G-O-P, and you can uh, find their endorsed candidates there. If, if you have one that you'd like to uh, know in your area, uh, you want to call and ask, I've, I've got the list in front of me. I'll, I'll be happy to tell you who, who, they've, uh, who they've endorsed in, in the particular races uh, throughout the state. So again, uh, point being that I'm, I'm wondering what the strategy is, especially behind the gubernatorial race, uh, for a California governor, especially under the under the new rules, to have uh, thirteen Republicans running against Gavin Newsom, seven no party preference. It's just one. Maybe you have some insights, and I, I don't know two zero nine five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three is our number. When we come back, I want to talk to you about it's scam season. Uh, We'll talk about some details coming up in five minutes on the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, I'll be back in five minutes. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I, you know, you, you are a special audience. You are, I just love this 3 to 5 p.m. hour, Monday through Friday. I really, really do. And uh, one of our listeners has a, a terrific, dry sense of humor. And I was telling you about uh, the, the mosquitoes here and, and the, the mosquito coil thing I'm burning, wafting through what I thought were uh, pretty well-sealed portals to the clandestine studio here on the Mike Douglas Show. And then at home last night, uh, a... Amy, a mosquito was dive bombing me about two thirty-five in the morning, uh, which uh, annoyed me quite a bit, and uh, that itching lasted for a while. Anyway, one of you just wrote in, and uh, the the one with just a, this wonderful sense of humor, and I love, and I think this applies to our discussion about what what is the strategy of the Republican Party in California right now when it comes to uh, the the governor's race. He says, when you think you're too small or insignificant to make an impact, try sleeping with a mosquito. That's, I love that. (laughs) When you think you're too small or insignificant to make an impact, try sleeping with a mosquito. Touche, my friend. That's a, that's a fact. I'm going to, I'm going to keep that quote here. Uh, because that that that's one of the keepers uh, for the Mike Douglas show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, in addition to being mosquitoes season, and and I've I've just seen that ramping up quite a bit, and I I'm waiting for the mosquito air force from the county to uh, to show up. Have you seen that? You probably have. It's a big yellow plane. And I think it says mosquito abatement on it, maybe mosquito something. I think it says mosquito abatement on the underside of the wings. I love it. And in fact, I'm, I'm attuned. Just as my ears automatically are attuned to the mosquitoes going, I am attuned to the mosquito Air Force plane. I can hear that 
way off in the distance and I start jumping in up and down and waving at it. And I even take pictures of it. I just love it when it shows up because they, they, they really do do a good job despite sometimes the sticky stuff that's on the windshield, but uh, they, they do a good job and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for them to show up this year. All right. So moving, uh, moving on to uh, what I introduced uh, before the break here. And that was, uh, it is also not only mosquito season, it is scamming season, scamming season. And uh, we have in, in our extended family, someone who, uh, in, endured a, a a really tough scam uh, in the past uh, week or so, and it involved people posing as law enforcement, and they did a really good job in convincing this person that they were from law enforcement. And was it not for this person's friends and employer? Uh, who care about him a lot, uh, th- this person might have been cleaned out financially, but uh, God, I believe, intervened in the process uh, as a matter of um, a lot of people praying, and, and uh, fortunately, uh, there was minimal damage, but uh, it's out there. And one of the, let me talk about a few things to watch for. By the way, tomorrow... Uh, one of our, our guests is going to be Sheriff Jeff Dirksy. He's going to be with us uh, on the show uh, tomorrow, and we'll be talking about what's going on in Stanislaus County, but we'll also talk a little bit about scams as well. <clears throat> so in uh, in a lot of the scams that are occurring today, they're, uh, they involve spoofing. Spoofing can uh, take many forms. In this case, it was a phone call. And by the software and hardware hardware used in spoofing, uh, the bad guys or bad gals can pretend to be someone else. In this case, they spoofed through their hardware and software. They were able on uh, the intended victim's end to give the number on uh, caller ID that corresponded to the local police department. So as far as this person knew, it was the local police department calling them, and uh, they they laid out a very convincing, uh, very convincing scam. So, a reminder to look for certain I call them tells, certain tells that tip you off that a scam is involved. Number one, law enforcement. I don't care whether it's local law enforcement, state department of justice. Uh, the IRS, Homeland Security, the FBI, doesn't matter. <clears throat> law enforcement, if, if you have someone from law enforcement calling you, asking you to do something with your money, it's a scam. It's a scam. And the thing to do, if, if you're not sure, is hang up and call <clears throat> the law enforcement agency, not on the phone number that you see on your cell phone, but the phone number that is published, go to the website. Or if you still use a phone book, I do that occasionally. Remember looking up stuff in the phone book? If you, <laughs> you go to the phone book or, or you go on online, it'll tell you what the public number is. Call that number and verify who that person is, what their va- badge number is, etc. Et uh, and and do, do not pursue conversations with people uh, pretending to be from law enforcement. 
The other spoof, the other spoofing uh, source uh, are companies that you may be familiar with. In my case, I've had two within the past, oh, I don't know, 72 hours. I've had two uh, spoofing scams from uh, people allegedly being from PayPal. And in this case, uh, (laughs) one uh, said that I had purchased a gun back in March, uh, oh, March 2nd, I think it was, in North Carolina. And so it, it looked like PayPal. It had all the right logos. It even, uh, you know, spoofed the, uh, an email address that looked like it was uh, attached to the website, et cetera, et cetera. So I did some investigating. Again, I'm pretty wary. I'm, I'm very suspicious. Maybe it's the ex-cop in me. Maybe it's just my nature. <laughs> I looked up the, the name of this person, and uh, the person that allegedly sent this invoice through PayPal was a 90-year-old lady in uh, North Carolina. Now, I'm pretty sure, and I didn't, I didn't call her. I got the information because it's public of what her real phone number is, what her name is, how old she is. I, I did not call her because... Uh, She's being used in a scam, and I just, at 90 years old, she doesn't need to have to deal with that. And uh, I didn't, I wasn't going to respond to it anyway, but it just goes to show you how easily people can click on a link. Oh, PayPal. Is it, well, I don't remember doing that. Let me click on that link. No, 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 no. Don't click on the link. Don't click on any links. Don't call any phone numbers. Uh, Just go back to the source. Now, I will say, I am not happy with PayPal. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't, have you had any PayPal-type scams late, lately? I am not happy with PayPal. I tried to get a hold of a live person, which was a chore. And I finally got hold of a live person in their credit department. And I don't have a credit account with PayPal, but it's the only loss prevention number I could get. And I'm telling you, this this lady that I talked to would not listen. She was not a good listener. I had to explain three or four times what the issue was. I finally got through it. And the problem is, and I'm going to relate this to customer service. I know some of you are involved in customer service. One of the keys to influencing others or keys to good customer service is listening well, listening well. In fact, in terms of my vocational ministry, I have learned one of the keys to mentoring is to listen well, not not to go in with preconceived notions of what the person needs, not to uh, have my filters up so that I'm hearing them through my filters. I need to understand what their filters are. This woman would not think outside the box at PayPal. And so finally, we got. She, she finally says, well, you don't have a credit account. I said, I told you that 20 minutes ago. What I'm trying to get across is this is the situation. I need to talk to someone in, in loss prevention or your fraud department. Well, okay, here's a number and I'll transfer you. All right, so I wrote down the number and she transferred me. What she transferred me to was another 
circular phone voicemail thing where you can't get hold of a live person. I must have spent another 10 minutes trying to get a hold of, I finally gave up. I finally gave up and, uh, I, I couldn't get hold of a live person, which is very frustrating to me. I don't care how big you are. If you want customer service to be part of your identity, you need to give people a pathway to talking to a live person just drove me up the wall. And I still never got to a live person, so the best that I got was to email uh, to their spoofing or I think it was spoofing or fraud, I don't know, at paypal.com, something to that effect. And I got back a a robotic response. I'm furious. I got to be honest. I'm furious with PayPal. And if some of you work for PayPal, I'm, I'm not attacking you. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the system. They have a messed up system. That's a theological term, messed up, by the way. They have a system that just does not work. You, you encountered things like this, frustrations, scams. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. We'll go to the phones in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And we're back with the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about scams, and I was a little frustrated with uh, with PayPal. And, and believe me, when I start these discussions with folks, I start at the lowest possible uh, level of frustration at all. I start very calm intentionally and just lay it out. Uh, however, when people refuse to listen and they obviously aren't listening. They have the preconceived notions in customer service sometimes. Uh, then then I, I get a little more uh, intentional uh, with my voice. My, my kids, now they're in their mid to late 20s, they used to say, Dad, you're using your pastor voice. So I, I get into the pastor voice thing, I guess. Anyway, let's find out. <laughs> Now, what some of your experiences are two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Have you been have you been scammed or spoofed? Uh, what about your experiences with customer service? Two zero nine five five one three four eight three, and uh, we'll go to one of our all star thinkers from Brentwood. Hello, John. Welcome to the Monday Show. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. You know, um, PayPal to me, I've always had really good luck with PayPal couple instances the first time i collect vinyl records i buy a lot of records on ebay and you know and stuff and i use my paypal account to pay for it um a guy in wales purchased a record on my paypal account from ebay and and i got a notification from paypal that you know they were taking this money to for this record that was purchased and i called them and i said i did not purchase this and they looked into it they said the sale was from somebody in wales and the record being mailed to wales and while I was on the phone with them, another purchase came through from the same person. Wow. And they X'd that stuff out really quickly. It didn't take me that long to get through. You kind of have to jump through a few hoops, but to get to any live person nowadays is really what you have to do. But they, they jumped through that, handled that release. I had to go change all my passcodes and stuff with eBay and PayPal and all that. There was another time they were advertising a 
a box set of all 13 Beatles studio albums for $50. This company had them and people were buying them left and right. So I bought it with my PayPal account, knowing that if they happen to jerk me around, I can get my money back pretty easily. So of course, you know, I, I get this bogus tracking from some tracking company I've never heard of. Then it finally says I'm at work and I get a notification that it's arrived and I get home and there's nothing there. And I was emailing the company and they kept saying, Oh yeah, it's on the way. It's on the way. I called PayPal. I told them I thought it was a scam. They look into it. They had my 50 bucks back to me in like three days. And the only other issue I had with them was I got an email that really looked like a PayPal email, had the little P on it and everything. Right. And it was telling me that I needed to change my, my username and my password right away because my account had been breached. And I'm thinking, why are they sending me an email? I'm, I'm not going to give this. I'm not going to respond to this email with a new username and pat. So I just, I just called them and they said, no, don't, don't respond to that. Is we would never, you know, send you an email for that. So, but I've, I've had good luck with PayPal pretty much the whole time that I've been dealing with them. I've never had any issues. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that, uh, John. Uh, would you do me a favor? I'm going to put you on hold. Yeah. And uh, okay. can you tell uh, producer Brenda uh, offline here how you got a hold of them, what what route you took? Uh, that that would, if you don't mind, just, just a, a personal request from me. So I'm going to go ahead and put you on hold. Thanks for the call, John. And I'm, I'm glad you had a good experience. And uh, if you could just uh, rehearse with her how you did that. Uh, I may, I may try your sure. method, John. Thanks so much. I'm going to put you on hold and producer Brenda will be with you in, in just a second. All right. Glad to hear that. Uh, good, good. And, uh, we'll, we'll find out producer Brenda. We'll find out from John, how he, uh, how he connected with a live person at, at PayPal. I, I find that also dealing with, uh, it companies, um, big tech companies, that sort of thing really hard to get a live person. In fact, there's a, there's a company that I deal with and, and I pay them a, a fee every month to uh, do some things that I need them to do for me so that I can do what I need to do. And they, you cannot talk to anyone live. You can only communicate with them uh, via email. So here's how this normally goes. <laughs> goes. Uh, and I know if I have an issue uh, with this tech company, it's going to take me two weeks. I just know that. Uh, so whatever it is, and sometimes it's uh, it's an immediate issue, and I say, okay, I'll just live through it, and it'll be a lesson learned, and eventually we'll find out how to solve it. I know I won't resolve it in two weeks. So here here's how this scenario goes down. I notice a major problem. Can't get a hold of anybody by phone. Just can't. They, they, they don't even list a phone number. You have to go to email. So I go to email and I know, I know what's going to happen. So I give every possible detail I can and I simplify it uh, so that it's understandable from the get-go. I write it like a news story. It, it has a, a lead, and then it has a body, and then it has an ending. I mean, I, I write it like it's a, a, a news story so that it's very followable, <laughs> okay? And I know, and I, I'm sure enough, I send the email with all of that work done, and I get back what I know I'm going to get back. I get back the 
auto response from a computer, AI, artificial intelligence. And I use that last word very advisedly. And so then I know, okay, now I need, and so it, it takes 24 hours to get the response. If it's during the week, if it's a weekend, you have to wait till, uh, you have to wait till later uh, in the week. So I know in the second email that I'm now going to have to provide another, because this email will now get to someone who's not artificially intelligent and they have some kind of human intelligence, the ability to reason, which uh, really distinguishes us from the rest of the animal kingdom, right? So then I'll get, and, and they will ask the same question, and I can tell you, I guarantee that they will ask the same questions that I have already answered in the email. So I have already cut and pasted my original things, which answered their question in the original email, I cut and paste it and send it to them again. This back and forth will go on at least four or five times, each one of those times taking uh, at least 24 hours, if not 48 hours for a response. And the thing is, we could have resolved the issue in in a five-minute phone call, that's all it would take. Now, I understand if you've got a lot of clients, you know, I understand the initial thing, but there should be a way to reach someone live so you can do that, that five-minute conversation. Well, we'll have more conversation. I want to talk about Elizabeth Warren, some strategy there, and a little, little update on Disneyland. That's coming up in five minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV as the Mike Douglas Show continues. And welcome to our number two of the Mike Douglas show here on this beautiful Monday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here, your personal concierge for conversation Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, where we get to talk about the issues of the day and talk about them reasonably and rationally and respectfully, which isn't done many places around our country anymore. Isn't that sad? Uh, the, the purpose of the marketplace of ideas is to be able to discuss different viewpoints, to learn from each other. Again, sometimes I I go back and re-examine my own positions based upon my conversations with you here on the Mike Douglas Show, and uh, I hope some things I say maybe cause you to think a little bit. That's all good, and it's not that we have to arrive at the same conclusion. The point is that we're able to talk with each other and uh, even be able to agree to disagree and still be friends not happening with the rest of the country is it basically especially with the cancel culture in a, you know if you have a discussion about opposing viewpoints the goal is to smash and uh, obliterate uh, to uh, smash to smithereens to vaporize the other person uh, so that they no longer exist if at all possible and that is such a tragedy 
And I think that, again, that, that comes back to our worldview and how we view uh, ourselves in relation to uh, the rest of the world. You know, if the world revolves around us, then we have to smash and vaporize anyone who doesn't uh, agree with us. However, if we understand that the world doesn't revolve around us, that that God is in his heaven and he is sovereign, and uh, we we adopt those little ten things called the Ten Commandments and and some other things as well, then... um, then, then we tend to think about how other people feel. We respect them as, as much as we can, and uh, we are curious. I'm always curious why people disagree. I'm curious about people with uh, other opinions, and I, I, I want to understand where they're coming from. Now, once we understand where they're coming from, they may be very toxic, in which case I have no desire to develop a relationship with them. But if we can find some common ground, that's uh, that's always a good thing. So all that to say, so much appreciate the way that uh, you articulate your viewpoints. And we have these very healthy ways of discussing things here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. As we head into hour number two, uh, just a reminder, we have the Primary elections coming up in California on June 7th. That leads up to the general election in November 2022. Not too far away. And just a reminder, due to the top two candidates open primary act that took effect in January of 2011 uh, for races like the governor, pretty much uh, every race except for president of the United States and, and the Central Committee, Uh, most of the other offices that are on your primary ballot, uh, you need to have the top two vote-getters to move on to the general election. And it doesn't matter what party they're from. Again, if if candidate A is from the planet Zarkon and uh, he gets 90% of the vote, and the other candidate is from the planet formerly known as Pluto, and he only gets 10% of the vote, and he's, it doesn't matter that they're not from the same planet. Uh, they both proceed to the general election because they are the top two vote-getters, and that's the way our system now works in California. In, uh, in decades past, it was different. Uh, in the primaries, you would only vote for those people in your party that you list as your political affiliation. Not so anymore. So that's why June 7 uh, becomes so important and uh, why <laughs> November 22, 2022 will become a very important as well. And what are those political parties, you may ask? Well, the Democratic Party, Republican Party, the American Independent Party, the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, and the Peace and Freedom Party are those that you will find on your ballot. And uh, when the candidate lists no party preference, uh, for example, uh, no party preference, uh, Michael Schellenberger, who's running for governor. Uh, I believe he's listed as a uh, no-party preference. And I know that uh, Anne-Marie Schubert, uh, who's running for attorney general out of Sacramento, she uh, lists uh, no-party no uh, preference. And so it's important for us to remember what's going to happen, that it is, uh, yeah, uh, I am right, Michael Schellenberger showing party preference, none. Uh, Probably one of the, aside from Gavin Newsom, one of the uh, 
most recognized names on the ballot. And again, the the California GOP has officially uh, endorsed Brian Dolly, who is uh, a state uh, senator and in Northern California, and he uh, he gets the state GOP's nod as their endorsement for the uh, governor of California. It'll be interesting to see how this uh, all develops uh, after June 7. Uh, we'll see who proceeds to the general election. I would assume I'm going, even though, even though there are three other Democratic candidates, I'm going to assume that Governor Gavin Newsom will get uh, will get the most votes. And with 13 Republicans and seven no-party preference other candidates, it's going to split the vote. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any predictions on who will come in second, uh, but we'll see uh, We'll see what happens. Again, very important election coming up, the primaries coming up on uh, June 7, and then the general election coming up in November of 2022. Wanted to just... <laughs> Bring an update on on the whole Disney thing, and I, you know, we we've covered that I think sufficiently regarding Florida and such. But uh, interesting updates here. In case you're headed now that we're headed in uh, out of spring into the summer months, Disneyland here in California apparently is no longer requiring that most visitors wear a mask. In fact, it's dropped one of its last remaining mandates. Uh, visitors to Disneyland here in California have been required to wear masks in enclosed transportation settings. Now, visitors who take the bus from the Toy Story parking area or the monorail from downtown Disney District can opt to unmask during the ride. Now, the mask mandate remains in place for visitors ages 2 and older who enter certain indoor health settings such as first aid. By the way, I went into a, uh, a doctor's office the other day, and it was wonderful. I won't tell you what kind of doctor uh, or where it was, but the the patients are no longer to, required to wear masks there. It, it was so freeing. I, I enjoyed that. Anyway, so if if you do go to Disneyland, apparently you're not going to be required to wear a mask unless you're in enclosed in enclosed transportation settings. And uh, if you're two years old or older, you have to wear a mask in indoor health settings such as first aid, uh, which is still pretty much the norm throughout uh, out the state. So uh, there, there you go. Uh, that's the update there. And then there's another very interesting. I don't know if you have you heard this or not. Uh, the Walt Disney Company is apparently relabeling animated characters of the past, including Tinker Bell and Captain Hook. Now, they're from the 1953 movie Peter Pan. They're labeling Tinker Bell and Captain Hook as potentially problematic. Well, I, I would, I can see how Captain Hook is potentially problematic, but probably for different reasons. And I think the crocodile probably was uh, the, the the most problematic part of all of that, at least to Captain Hook. So this, uh, as as Disney is preparing 
uh, to launch its Disney Plus streaming services. They say the characters could necessitate a disclaimer for perpetuating negative stereotype, uh, stereotypes. Really? Do we have to do this? Is this? Do you think this is necessary? Just let history be what it is. We all understand times change. And if we don't recognize history as it actually was, then we're operating on a false sense of what now is and what the future will be. They're even picking on the 1989 movie The Little Mermaid. That's right, because there's concerns of racism and homophobia. Well, what character raises concerns of racism and homophobia? Ursula. That's right. They were reviewing Ursula, and apparently they flagged Ursula as being a problem. Now, remember, she was the sea witch. I I think I saw the Little Mermaid maybe once, but they're saying that her dark complexion could be construed as racist. Okay, so w- is it better to have uh, a light complexion that, that makes it okay? That's not racist? Hmm. And her flamboyant mannerisms could come across as, quote, queer-coded or homophobic. S- uh, <laughs> now, Tinker, what, what's the issue with Tinkerbell? Well, apparently, according to Disney, Tinkerbell raises some concerns because she's body conscious. Now, there are certainly no female actresses at all in Hollywood who are body conscious, are there? Can you think of, can you think of, let me turn it the other way. How many actresses in Hollywood do you think are not body conscious? Hmm. I just think this is absolutely craziness. So Tinkerbell, because she's body conscious, they're they're going to label her as as uh, they're they're going to raise a concern, warn people about her, and. And the other thing was she was jealous of Peter Pan's attention. All right, so all, all these reality shows, and I don't particularly, the only reality shows that I watch are, are when my wife is watching some of these home home shows on HGTV, like Fixer Upper, is that the name of it? Um, the the two twin brothers and, and all of that, the Property Brothers, uh, I don't watch any other reality shows, so I don't. But I'm, I'm thinking, I'm guessing. Noted, I'm looking at, at the uh, the previews, the teasers that they do for shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and some of the others. Man, seems to me that there's a lot of displaying of bodies there, and that quite a few of them get jealous of other people's attention. <laughs> And so, yeah, Tinkerbell, evil now because she was body conscious and jealous of Peter Pan's attention. Captain Hook, another potential liability because he could expose Disney to accusations of discrimination or prejudice 
against individuals with disabilities because he's a villain. Seriously, Disney? Seriously? Uh, And there's other ones. They're also going to slap warnings on movies like Dumbo, Swiss Family Robinson, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. I love Davy Crockett. King was that um, was that Wes Parker? Did he do that? And and he also did uh, Daniel Boone. Was it with the same actor? Uh, anyway, and oh, and the original Lady and the Tramp. Yep, because that could contain outdated cultural depictions. So there you go. That's where Disney is spending its attention right now. We'll spend our attention on other more important things coming up in three minutes on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now back to The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to The Mike Douglas Show here on uh, the beginning of the week, Monday here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we take a look at a lot of the issues facing us. And and again, my friends, just a reminder, very important primary election coming up on June 7. Probably many of you uh, have received your sample ballots. And my encouragement is always to make sure that we understand the backgrounds and the positions of all who are on the ballot. We can't possibly cover all of them here, but my encouragement to you is uh, to do your best to understand who you're voting for and why and the significance of why this is so important. Again, on the, on the primary, uh, because of California's system that's been in place since 2011, uh, the two top, for example, for the governor's race, the two top vote-getters will move on to the general election in November. Doesn't matter if they're part of the same, uh, same political uh, party or same political affiliation or not. One could be a Republican, one a Democrat, one could be peace and freedom, one could be independent, one could be no party preference. Doesn't matter. The two top vote getters, no matter how many votes are involved, no matter how the percentages shake out, uh, the two top vote getters will proceed to the general election in uh in November. So this election, very, very important. Uh, I want to go back to a story that we, that we looked at last week, and that was the whole issue of the newly formed Disinformation Governance Board by the Biden administration. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin wrote a letter to uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Uh, again, the director of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. And he's requested certain information, and he actually put a deadline on it. He requested that the uh, information be sent back uh, before 5 p.m. on May 6th, which is uh, in the uh, not-too-distant future. And uh, regardless uh, of your evaluation of uh, Senator Johnson, uh, I think he makes some valid points. So he he wants uh, some information by this coming Friday. By the way, just a, a quick note, and we'll get into uh, Senator Johnson's letter here uh, quickly. And, and the reason I want to cover a lot of points in his letter is I think 
it summarizes very well the major concerns regarding the White House, the Biden administration, creating a disinformation governance board. And and more than just a knee-jerk reaction, I I think it it very well articulates the actual concerns. And and, uh, we will... uh, we will be getting to that uh, here here very quickly. Uh, you remember that uh, the person put in charge of this is named Nina Jankowitz. So in uh, in Ron Johnson's letter, but oh, I know where I was going. Just I need more coffee during during the half hour news and such. I'm going to run out and get a new cup of coffee because I've drained it. And the show doesn't go on without the coffee being hot and fresh. So we're going to rectify that here uh, very shortly. Uh, But what I wanted to remind you of, uh, for those people of faith, that the National Day of Prayer is coming up this Thursday, May 5th, also Cinco de Mayo. And uh, if you are in town in downtown Modesto at uh, the city and county headquarters at 1010 10th Street in that uh, nice beautiful little plaza that they have right across the street from the Brendan Theaters um, in that beautiful plaza there with the nice uh, fountain and such. There will be an hour-long National Day of Prayer service with a, with a Christian emphasis. Just want to be upfront about that. And uh, Cindy Marks, who is the chairperson of Pray Modesto, uh, will be leading that. So if you happen to be in town on the National Day of Prayer, uh, there will be a, uh, a prayer time. They're near the, uh, right in the plaza, the city and the county offices, Thursday from 12 to noon. So just wanted to uh, remind you of that. Now, coming up, after uh, the, the news and the weather and traffic in just a couple of minutes, I want to talk to you about this letter that Ron Johnson, senator from Wisconsin, sent to uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Great points here. I'll share them with you uh, here very quickly as the Mike Douglas Show continues here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Again, back right after news, weather, and traffic on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as uh, we kick off uh, the week here on Monday. And uh, so much, so much to talk about. We're trying to fit about 50 pounds into a five-pound bag today. Uh, Question for you. Again, we've been talking about the fact that uh, most of us have received our sample ballots for the June 7 primaries coming up. And again, for the major offices, pretty much... Pretty much every office except that of President of the United States. In uh, in the new primary system for California, well, new, it's been in effect since 2011, uh, the top two vote-getters go to the general election. The top two vote-getters get to go to the... Um, to the general election has nothing to do with the top two vote getters of any particular party like it used to be. All right. So that's one of the critical things to understand about the new 
relatively new system for the primaries. So a question for you, and I'm going to get back to this uh, disinformation governance board. As you're looking at your sample ballot, if you had a chance yet, do you see any viable opposition to Governor Newsom? I mean, any, any viable threat to him winning uh, the nod as governor again in, in November 2022? I mean, did you see anybody on that list who you think has a ghost of the chance, ghost of a chance of yeah, okay, they're, they're going to be two top vote-getters. I'm guessing one will be Governor Gavin Newsom. Who do you think the other will be off that list? Looking at all the different parties that you have there, all the different candidates for governor, who do you think will be number two? Because there will be a runoff. The, the, governor Newsom can get every vote in California minus one, and that minus one person will still be on the general ballot in November running against him. Who do you think poses the most credible opposition in terms of coming in number two? 209-551-3483, our number 209-551-3483. And I'm talking any party, Democrat, Republican, Peace and freedom, green, no party preference, libertarian, you name it, any party. Who do you think has the best chance of coming in number two after the June 7 primaries? Again, our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. All right, Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, wrote a letter uh to, this was back on April 27, not too long ago, to the Honorable Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of U.S. Department of Homeland Security. And he's requesting information about uh, the Department of uh, Homeland Security's plans to create a disinformation governance board, he says, to purportedly counter misinformation related to homeland security issues. Uh, He noted that Politico had said that Nina Jankowicz uh, confirmed reports that she will serve as the board's executive director. Senator Johnson says the Biden administration has not proven itself to be a credible arbiter of disinformation. Instead, it has taken steps to silence information that is unflattering to this administration under the guise of, quote, disinformation. And he says, for example, unnamed intelligence officials, the media and social media platforms engaged in a coordinated effort to censor stories about Hunter Biden's laptop and his questionable financial dealings under the false label of, quote, disinformation. Senator Johnson says, in fact, Ms. Jankowitz herself has been a beacon of misinformation online. Senator Johnson says she has published multiple tweets furthering the false media narrative about the Hunter Biden laptop. And he says in another tweet, she referred to the origins of how the media came into possession of the contents of the Hunter uh, Biden laptop as, quote, a fairy tale about a laptop repair shop. He says she's also posted uh, posted tweets pushing the Trump-Russia collusion hoax Uh, and implying that the United States is as corrupt as Ukraine. 
All right, got a couple other points I want to read, and then he's got seven specific or six specific requests that he's asking for. Six specific requests that he would like no later than 5 p.m. Eastern uh, this coming Friday, May 6, from uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Get to those in just a second. Let's go to the phones very quickly. 209 209- Five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Ed from Lodi, welcome this Monday, Ed. What's on your mind today? Hey, hey. Well, uh, happy Monday, there, Mike. It's been a while since I've talked with you. Um, <laughs> I just just joined uh, not too long ago because I was I just got on this and and I heard you talking about that disinformation thing. I think that that is absolutely something that should not be allowed. Um, who are they to say who's disinformation? I mean, this is to me a form of free speech um, censorship by our government, and I think the First Amendment absolutely forbids this. And so these people ought to just this. I mean, I, it's okay if a government does, you know, clarification and and they has intelligence businesses, but there's no business doing this to the public. And I think this is completely immoral on our government's um, thing. And I hope that it gets shot down eventually. Now, the other thing you mentioned real quick just before this last thing was governor. governor and I, I'm not quite ready to make my decision yet on that. But I don't like our system in California. I was very not happy when they changed to this, you know, the two highest voters, uh, uh, vote getters being the runoff, to me, the primary system was a chance to kind of uh, litmus test for, you know, different parties to put their people out there. And now uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for somebody in a minority group at all to ever be one of the candidates. And um, I just don't, I don't like it because um, I feel like this is a, a silence the opposition kind of thing. And they have their majority, and that's all that matters. And then they're gonna they're gonna take it um, every time. And I I think that that's something else that ought to come up eventually and get changed because I think this is this is why have a primary in my why not just have an election and not have a primary whatsoever because this is just not a chance for um, us to uh, speak our voices or or get the people we want out there. There needs to be opposition for there to be balance at some point, and I don't think it's happening, and it hasn't happened under our current um, uh, set of circumstances. So (laughs) those are my two thoughts. They weren't the happiest. (laughs) No, 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 but, (laughs) well, this isn't the happiest place on earth uh, any more neither is disneyland apparently we're not, but we're not disneyland <laughs> no we're not disney <laughs> uh two yeah l- l- let me respond uh d- two ways one ed uh, i think the the danger and maybe it's the strategy behind this if you have a super majority in the state uh i think probably the strategy is to split the vote amongst the non-majority uh, uh amongst the super minority uh, split the vote, so there really is very little way that any party can overcome the supermajority. I think that's the danger uh, that we see here. And uh, re- regarding the the disinformation, uh, Ed, you used the word immoral. I agree with you. I, I think it's highly unethical. And and we have to look back, I think, Ed, to the Founding Fathers, the reason that we have a First Amendment. Their thought was 
to have freedom of the press meant that in the marketplace of ideas, that truth would come out of competing uh, ideas and the necessary adversarial relationship between the press and the government. And when I say adversarial, Ed, it, it's not that it has to be nasty, but it has to be adversarial in terms of, well, we'll take what we what you say, government, and we'll investigate it. We'll we'll triage it. We'll look at it. You know, eight ways to Sunday or seven ways to Sunday, and then and then make a decision. Yeah. And so the fourth estate, the press, is supposed to be taking on the role of what this disinformation governance board is all about. So I think, Ed, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it, it, it's unethical. And I think ultimately it could be found unconstitutional as well. Well, I don't want them censoring us. I mean, you kind of get some of that, and we don't say everything. But you know what? Um, whether somebody's right or wrong, they have a right to have an opinion, and at least in our country they do. And we're losing um, our sense of who we are if we're going to go away from this because then it gets, gets to the point where somebody is going to be telling us what our opinion needs to be. Right, <laughs> and I don't want that. And, and I mean, and they call they call it like disinformation, but I mean, boy, you could really there, there's a lot of disinformation that comes out as quote fact. And so, um, you know, if you study history, you're certainly aware of that. And uh, anyway, I I just uh, I, I want to see this thing get challenged and uh, thrown out because you know we don't need this. We don't need this, especially given the current group up there. And I know that sounds biased on my part. But I don't think I've ever seen a group, um, in, in my opinion, more interested in, in actually producing disinformation. Well, uh, and, and they're the ones that are going to be um, ex- executing it, too. Exactly. And, and, and thanks for the call, Ed. Really appreciate it. Good, good points. Good thinking there. Uh, I, I'm mulling over Ed's comments. And I think even if Nina Jankowitz, who is going to be the head, apparently, of the Disinformation Governance Board. Let's say that Nina Jankowitz gets everything right. right let, let, let's just pretend that in her tenure, however long that will be, whether she's there for a year or three years, whatever it might be, let's say that she gets er- everything that she evaluates is correct. It's still a problem that the agency itself, the department, uh, the board is still improper, even if she gets everything right. It's not the job of the federal government to to tell us what's true or not. That's for us to decide. And the founding fathers' idea was let's have a free press that is not controlled or influenced by the government, and that way the citizens of the United States of America can arrive at truth by examining things from every angle possible and uh, by engaging in the marketplace of ideas. The press is supposed to be doing the job that this disinformation governance board is allegedly set to do. So even if Ms. Jankowitz got everything right, to me, it's still unethical, and I'm not a constitutional scholar, not a lawyer, not a justice, not a judge. I think it's unconstitutional. I, I think it's anti-American. Let me just put it that way. What do you think, 
Our number here, 209-551-3483. Do you think that the Disinformation Governance Board ought to be nipped in the bud now and done away with? Or do you think it's a good idea? 209-551-3483. We'll continue the discussion as the Mike Douglas Show continues on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thank you so much for being part of the mix here. So much appreciate you. I look forward to this two hours with you Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about uh, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson's letter to uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, he, of course, the Secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Been talking uh, about some of the highlights, I thought, from the letter. He's been talking about uh, Nina Jankowitz being wrong on some earlier issues that uh, she tweeted out. And so he's casting doubt that she would be, if there is a disinformation governance board, that uh, she would be a, a viable and a, a worthy leader of it. He is saying now the Department of Homeland Security is creating a board to counter misinformation focusing on irregular migration and Russia and appointing a purveyor of misinformation to lead that effort. He says DS, DHS is taking this action just week weeks after announcing its plans to stop Title 42 expulsions at the southwest border, which has sparked a surge of legal illegal migrant crossing at the border, with uh, the uh, uh, Customs and Border Patrol reporting an average of over 7,000 encounters a day in March 2022, compared with over 5,900 a day the previous month in February. Uh, He says DHS even concedes it needs to be prepared to encounter 18,000 migrants a day at the southwest border once Title 42 is lifted. He says you claim this administration's border policies are humane, but the crises caused by your policies have only added to the many tragedies caused by illegal immigration. He says I'm concerned that uh, DHS's disinformation board will only serve to silence or censor those voices critical of your disastrous policies and serve a political cover for your failure to secure the border. Now, here are his six requests to be uh, sent back to him by this Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Here's what he's asking from uh, U.S. uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Number one, provide the statute allowing DHS to create the disinformation board, appoint board members, and assign or hire staff. That's good. I'd like to know what the legal basis of that is, too. Two, how does DHS define misinformation? Thank you. I think that's a big question. How does the Federal Department of Homeland Security define misinformation? What is the de- What is the definition of it? If it's an opinion that is contrary to ours, then we're in a fascist-type totalitarian government. My opinion. Point number three. 
what does DHS consider to be, quote, irregular migration? That, that sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> Number four, what does the Department of Homeland Security consider to be misinformation about irregular migration? Kind of tied to question three. Number five, what Department of Homeland Security component or office is responsible for monitoring and collecting data on, quote, misinformation. How many staff are tasked with this assignment? What are their job descriptions and classifications? And then number six, what specific actions does the Department of Homeland Security intend to take to counter misinformation? That's the other big question to me, other than defining what misinformation is. Department of Homeland Security has a lot of power. It has a lot of power, and I I think we went down a bad road. with. And I'm sorry to say, I believe uh, Bush 43 made a huge mistake in, uh, in, establish, in, in the approach to the Patriot Act and the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, well-intentioned, but choices have consequences, and the consequences of uh, those actions, I think, have been disastrous for us, but we need to uh, live with it. So, uh, and, and I know right now, uh, those who are supporting the Department of Homeland Security's uh, Disinformation Governance Board are saying, well, it has no enforcement power. Give me a break. It's within the Department of Homeland Security, which has huge enforcement capabilities. And, and when a government agency says, oh, we, we're, we're not going to assign much power to that, it, 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 it's, it's not going to have much power at all. The federal government is all about power and control. And don't, I don't think for a moment that they are seriously thinking we're not going to act on what this board of disinformation comes up with. I think it's dangerous, should be done away with. Well, we'll continue the conversations tomorrow on Tuesday. Sheriff Jeff Dirksy will be joining us tomorrow. I'll look forward to joining you again tomorrow from 3 to 5 p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.